0: Everybody, how are you all doing? I'm Michael, joined by Alex, as always. How's it going? This is falling through plot holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to
1: go off the rails. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm I'm doing good. I've been spending uh, much of my free time playing Armored Core 6, an excellent mech action game that I have very few substantial complaints about.
0: Oh, that's great, Alex. That's really great because I have been playing a lot of Starfield. Yeah. Roughly about 32 hours or so, a game that I have susp- <laughs> substantial complaints about.
1: Oh boy, I can't wait to hear about them. Legitimately, I can't wait. Indeed,
0: because that is what we're going to be talking about today, Alex, because today's an emergency episode. Okay. And it's an emergency episode because I have fallen into a very bad Starfield hole. Mm. And this always happens when the, like a new Bethesda game comes out. Uh, it happened with... It happened with Skyrim. It happened with Fallout Four, New Vegas, so on and so forth. It happens every couple of years, honestly, just replaying those games in general. Mm. I will just decide, I, you know what? Been a while since I played Fallout Three. What if we just mod it to hell and back and see what happens? Mm-hmm. And then a week goes by, and I'm like, I have uh, not, I've, I've not eaten properly. I don't know what actual food is. I've been just having like donuts, and I have not been outside. This is unhealthy. I need to stop. Mm-hmm. And Starfield has been basically that experience, except thankfully I now have a dog, and I would like the dog to continue to live. So oh, that's good. Yes, it causes me to stop. It's very nice. So first off, Alex, how do you how do you feel about Bethesda games in general?
1: I think they are. How do I put this? I enjoy playing them. Mm -hmm. And I think they are sufficiently unique as to be an interesting experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But nobody does an open world game like Bethesda does.
1: Yeah. I would say, in my experience, like the closest something has come is like Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. Breath of the Wild kind of captured that same energy of, what happens if I go over here? Oh, that happens. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm not engaging with the main story for a good 30 hours or so. Yeah. Because you just get distracted by something shiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, and even then, like, that is still such a fundamentally different game on so many levels. Yes. Like, both narratively and gameplay-wise that, yeah, it still is even, that is, like, not a the most apt comparison you can possibly make. Mm-hmm. Like, even when other companies have tried to make a game much like Bethesda does, the Mm -hmm. weird open-world clockwork, uh, procedurally-generated sort of game that they do, uh, that was when Obsidian did The Outer Worlds, a Mm -hmm. game that has been getting a lot of comparisons to Starfield in both favorable and very unfavorable ways. And even then, that felt like it was a pale imitation in many ways. And Mm -hmm. that's from a game I actually really enjoy, albeit a game that once I finished, I immediately stopped thinking about. Mm. Now, Starfield is going to be no different about this. Um, my understanding is that you have not touched Starfield at all. No, I have not. I, meanwhile, gave Microsoft $100 for the pleasure of playing it early. Uh-huh. Uh, and actually, it's your fault for that, Alex. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I was like, oh, maybe I should wait on it and see what the bugs are going to be like. And you're like, you should have that day one experience so you can experience all of them. I did say that. And I know what you're saying. They, that wasn't... Hey, well, you should pay extra money to play it five days early.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I did I took it as that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I no, I should've I should have foreseen that, yes.
0: And yeah. Not only did I get a mostly book free experience, but I also gave an extra thirty to forty dollars to Microsoft for the pleasure of playing a game that really didn't need to be played five days early. No, yeah. Yeah. So one thing about this podcast, Alex, is that mm-hmm. we don't typically cover games or media that comes out immediately, right? right? We usually give it time to breathe. Like, there's some exceptions. The Super Mario movie, for instance, mm-hmm. was an exception. And even then, I basically tied it into the uh, the original Super Mario movie. So, it was something very deliberate with that. Mm-hmm. But typically, I like to give games a t- chance to breathe and let other people, like, experience them, kind of, like, do their own write-ups, their own thoughts on the story and all that uh, Just so I can kind of have, like, other perspectives to look at. And with Starfield, I figured we were going to cover this at some point. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's kind of like one of the biggest things to... It's one of the biggest things to come out this year, certainly. And, well, it's kind of the first big game from Bethesda Game Studios since Fallout 4. So, it figured it was almost undoubtedly going to happen. Right. And then I started playing Starfield, Alex. Mm-hmm. And I've... I think I'm about 35 hours in at this point. Okay. And after getting a taste of, let's say, the first 20% of the main story, I've decided that no, no, we don't actually need to wait. Okay. Because, you see, Alex, Starfield has a ton of problems, and the writing is no exception. Like, Mm. there are gameplay issues, and then there are writing issues, and everything in between. It has a lot of the standard hallmarks that you're going to see in stories written by Bethesda. And this game is easily an example of its worst tendencies. Mm. It's a game that is, like, there's so much dialogue in this game. There are so many options and ways you can experience the story and have conversations with your companions and so many different quest lines and places to go and planets to explore. And yet, somehow, it all ends up seeming the most superficial and straightforward way they could have possibly done everything. Mm. It's a universe that has a ton of lore in it that has been clearly thought about and fleshed out, but in a way that also somehow feels very, like, first pass and, like, they didn't think Star Trek existed. Huh. So it's like, man, yeah, these ideas would be very original if all of sci-fi didn't exist. Right. And, like, the best example I could think of that, like that actually Starfield gives up with its gameplay, is that there's literally a thousand planets you can go to. And mm-hmm. most of them are just procedurally generated, just like dead rocks that you don't need to go to. Uh, but there are some planets you can land on that have like breathable atmospheres and oceans and whatnot. And you can actually wander into these oceans and you can go super far into these oceans. But one thing about them is that they always only go up to like waist high on the character. Mm. You can never uh. actually go in like into the ocean. Uh-huh. And the writing in world building is like the equivalent of that. It's an ocean wide and a puddle deep. Yeah, okay. That was a little try-hardy idea. Yeah, no,
1: no, it was was a good metaphor. You connected it. You got there.
0: Yeah, I got there. Yeah, you see? This is why I'm not a writer. (laughs) (laughs) So because of that, we're not going to be covering the entire game. Uh Uh-huh. My 35 hours or so was sufficient enough to give us plenty of examples why this game's writing is just bad and uninteresting. Okay. I don't think this plot's gonna go anywhere that's particularly original. I'm going to be just straight up honest. Mm-hmm. And maybe once I beat the game, we'll come back and do another episode if it goes somewhere weird and unexpected. I'm Gonna take a wild guess that it's not going to. And that any attempt to do an episode would be no more interesting than reading a Wikipedia article. Mm-hmm. Uh, now... That being said, I we're going to be very negative about this, or at least I'm going to be very negative. Mm-hmm. I have put 35 hours into this game. Right, I clearly do enjoy this. I'm not one of those people who like put like 60 to 90 hours to a game to go like, wow, that was really bad. Mm-hmm. If you put that much time into it, the problem is probably more youth in the game, right? Like if we were if we were to go with that logic, like Destiny 2 would be like a war crime. <laughs> Given how much uh, time I put into there, and how I keep giving uh, Bungie a hundred dollars every, say, two years or so,
1: they they can't keep getting away with it. We we need to do an episode episodes S- about Destiny at some point because we absolutely do. Yes. Oh my god, Destiny is D- to get completely off track for a second. I think I've destri- described Destiny before as my favorite game. I don't like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that from you. Yeah, and that's that's apt, honestly. It's very apt. It's speaking of games, there's a lot to complain about oh, from both gameplay god. and writing
1: perspectives. Oh god. Okay, I can't I can't start on Destiny. I have to mm. Starfield. Yeah.
0: Starfield. Starfield
1: is today. Starfield um,
0: is today. Yeah. Destiny will be tomorrow. <laughs> so let's just start with like what even is Starfield? Mm-hmm. Alex, Starfield is the first new universe in 25 years from Bethesda Game Studios, the award-winning creators of The Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim, and Fallout 4. If that sounds very canned, that's because that is the first line on the Steam and Game Pass pages for this game. Wow. Yep. So immediately, they're setting up some expectations. Like, Fallout mm-hmm. and The Elder Scrolls have always been similar yet distinct series from one another. And in recent times, it has seemed like like they've like started to become more intertwined. Like, Fallout 3 and Oblivion are, besides, like, the underlying game engine, really hugely different games. From just how they handle their open world, to their gameplay, to their narrative structure, Mm -hmm. and every every way in between. Then Skyrim came out, was a mega hit, and then you can see elements from Skyrim really start to get into Fallout 4. Like, they're still distinct enough, Mm -hmm. but you can clearly tell that they're now starting to build off each other, rather than being kind of, like, two distinct products. Right. And I had little doubt that this trend w- wasn't going to continue with the uh, Elder Scrolls 6. Mm-hmm. So honestly, the idea that a new series from this company was going to be exciting, like a clean break from the baggage of those two series, and an excuse to try something new.
1: Alex, instead, we got
0: Fallout 5.
1: Yeah, I mean that. So I guess this is as good a time as any to talk about how Bethesda like designs games. Mm hmm. Um, because for one thing, I think it has changed fairly substantially from, let's say, the days of Morrowind until now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but another is, like, sort of the things that haven't changed. So, like, I think one of the things that, I'm uh, talking from personal experience, one of the things that made Fallout 3 narratively interesting to me was that it was designed around kind of a sandbox narrative mm-hmm. of, like, there are people and there are things going on at these different places, and you can choose what you sort of do and how you interact with that story, and then mm-hmm. events will play out based on those choices you make. Yeah. Um. Versus, say, like Skyrim, which is like I don't know. Skyrim doesn't have a story, or what story <laughs> is there is boring. Skyrim's story is boring. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like everything that it tries to do is like oh okay that happened i guess it's like it's very straight high fantasy uh, oh the dragons have returned to the world oh they're the the occupying imperial forces are at odds with the the native resistance Uh, choose a side of the conflict oh Mm -hmm. there's a thieves guild and the the god of trickery is involved somehow i don't know Mm -hmm. um and like oblivion kind of was that too yeah and the the most interesting parts of Oblivion was like the rare cases where the character-driven story was actually interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, So I guess all of that rambling to say that in my mind, Bethesda stories are always kind of bland, save for the highlights where they're not.
0: Yeah, a common refrain for like a lot of these games, and you, you touched on this a little bit, is that... The main story is usually not the draw. It's usually going to be whatever faction storylines that exist. Right. Like, the Dark Brotherhood in, oh, like, Oblivion and Skyrim was is, like, much beloved, or, like, the Thieves' Guild. Right. Like, those end up having, like, fun interpersonal stories because you're not just, like, gallivanting from one location to another, beating somebody for five seconds, and then doing some sort of grand set piece before you move on.
1: Right. Uh, hmm. But I think... So the other part, and I, I was... Having this discussion with some friends the other day, Hmm. what is interesting about Bethesda games, and I think this is very clear if you listen to uh, lead producer Todd Howard, I forget exactly what his role is. yeah But the way he always talks about a new game, he always starts, or very early on, starts discussing the scale of this game and how it compares to the previous ones. Yeah. Bethesda games are all about scale. They are all about being bigger and broader and more than the last one. Mm -hmm. And that that is very much their focus, and it can tend to start to really undercut other things that can be interesting about the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it certainly can, and this game is no different. This is easily the biggest Bethesda game they've made. Right. Just, like I said, there are... Like, people were complaining that, like, you couldn't land on a planet and then walk all the way around. And it's like, buddy, listen, you don't mm-hmm. need that. Right. You, There are so many planets to visit. And the procedural generation is actually pretty decent in that they're all shockingly varied. Mm. Uh, like, not like every thousand planets, every one of the thousand planets is going to be different from one another. But in the sense of, like, oh, wow, no, like, you, those are some pretty tall mountains. There's some cool archways here. Like... Like, they actually, like, do, like, a decent job with that sort of thing. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, yeah, it's absolutely huge. And then when you go to the actual places that are uh, handcrafted or whatnot, it's like, well, we made a cowboy town. (laughs) We heard Firefly was uh, popular with the kids a long time ago. So we made that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, maybe if y'all just focused less on the scale and just kind of polished up these areas, it would be a little bit better. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they make worlds that are so big, and yet towns are, that are so small.
1: Right. And it's like, it is, again, the problem of, what are you doing with all this space? What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And the more world they have, the less that seems to sort of be going on with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And... While they do try to do things to address that in this, like the first city you visit, New Atlantis, actually does feel it gets at a sufficient scale, mm-hmm. uh, and there's like even like decent crowd sizes. It doesn't take long that once you get out to any other town in the game, it's all it's immediately like, huh, that it, huh, okay, cool, yeah, it's it's a little. It's disappointing that they just haven't seemed to be able to break out of that instead of just kind of doubling down on their worst tendencies. And Mm -hmm. that is what Starfield is, just a doubling down on their worst tendencies. So, as mentioned, we got Fallout 5. And what I mean by that is, I mean, this is literally iterative on Fallout 4. Mm. The fact that it is a first-person shooter with the guns that feel honestly feel the same mm. i'm sure if i were to boot up fallout 4 and i compare and contrast it would probably feel a little bit different but it is shockingly close mm-hmm. like when i started playing it and started shooting a pistol for the first time i was like oh yeah no i it's it's still just a little janky but just good enough i the way the crafting system in this works so I, to upgrade your guns and whatnot is the exact same except mm-hmm. instead of using scrap materials you're collecting elements uh the right. UI for it is the exact same except the font is different and the color on the menus is different. <laughs> the way your perks work is the ex- pretty much the exact same in Fallout 4 where you unlock a perk and then you can ba- that inside that perk is nestled more perks. They can use more perk points on to make it even better. The way your companions work is the exact same where they'll react to dialogue options you choose with things like Sam code dislike that <laughs> or Barrett is angry with you. Uh, to, like, basically everything in between. It is... to The fact there's, like, skill magazines around you can find that will, like, upgrade your abilities that are bespoke to each area and are also impossible to find because there's so much clutter in every area. It is... It is beyond amazing to me that they looked at Fallout 4, a game that basically everyone but me went, (laughs) I don't know, this seems kind of bad. I hope they uh, don't do one of these again. And they said... Yeah, but what if first we made an an online MMO and then made another one of these? Yeah. <laughs> it doubled and then tripled down <laughs> somehow. So, now, admittedly, I'm one of the crazy people who really love Fallout 4, mm-hmm. albeit for the wrong reasons. Right. I really liked building settlements an awful lot. Uh, and then I saw, and then there was a main story where it was just like, hmm, I don't think you should have gone that route. Mm-hmm. I got to find my baby. Now I'm going to go and hang out with this dude and just say, hell yeah, and become a Raider. Sure. Why not? I guess I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget about my child for 60 hours because it's a Bethesda game. Yep. But so like the fact that we potentially got a Fallout five is not necessarily like a bad thing from my eyes in a very specific, very narrow sort of view. Mm hmm. But once again, this was supposed to be something that was going to be radically new and different. And the fact that it absolutely is not, despite being advertised as such, right, ends up just being... Well, there's a reason why there's a very, very long uh, forum thread on the Something Awful forums that is basically every other post being like, why did they do this? I don't <laughs> under... Oh, no. So, yeah. And outside of that, it's not much different.
1: Mm. I mean, it's... <sighs> I'm also kind of not entirely sure why they tried to advertise it as something new and different when, first of mm-hmm. all, it's not and it was never going to be. Yeah. But second of all, like, I don't, I don't really know that Bethesda Game Studio has the capacity to do something new and different at this point. Yeah. It, it's this really weird thing
0: that since the type of games they make are already so unique. Mm hmm. There's not really a huge incentive to go outside of that, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I don't think. And, like, yes, I would say Fallout 4 is appreciably different than Skyrim, and Skyrim was appreciably different than Fallout 3, which was appreciably different than Oblivion. So, like, mm-hmm. there is more discernible change from game to game than it sounds like there is from Fallout 4 to Starfield. mm mm-hmm. But, like, when you strip away the specific, like, quirks of each game, they're all kind of the same basic idea.
0: Yeah, they kind of are. And, yeah, and it's just this, like, incredible freedom of choice to do whatever you want sort of thing that, yeah, when you do fully engage in it, like, there's some really interesting builds you can do in this game for your mm-hmm. character. Uh, the character creators we'll get into is amazing. I, I think is one of the best character creators I've seen in a long time. Mm. Uh, the ability to build your own outpost and staff them with people, mm-hmm. build your own ship, and have actually a really fun, like, ship creator that's surprisingly robust is really, really neat. It should be noted that all three of those things, though, can be mm-hmm. easily mitigated, or are basically irrelevant to the game at large, uh, which is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least for the main story, it's possible that there's, like, like side... Uh, like side stories and what have you, like faction quests that will factor in all those like different elements a little bit more, but Mm -hmm. I have yet to see it. And once again, I've put in about 35 hours into this, right? Like for as much as you can build cool ships, it turns out ship combat is very one note and you don't have to do a whole lot of it. Mm. Almost like the settlement system in fallout four, where they go mm -hmm. like, we're going to put a lot of stuff in here, but we we don't want to force you to do this. Right. And it's like, well, but then why bother? Right. So I guess we should actually talk a little bit about the plot of this game and what like the setting is and whatnot. Because this is where it really falls apart for me. Because once again, I can... The gameplay itself, I'm obviously having fun with this game. Mm-hmm. I'm having fun building ships and being a weird space miner. Getting iron on the moon. Mm-hmm. I have a moon outpost. <laughs> but the writing is the one thing where... Oh, boy. And so I think we need to start from the very beginning and just give a basic overview of what the setting of Starfield is. Okay. So Starfield takes place in year, I believe, uh, 2300. It's the 24th century. And humanity has now colonized the stars. Now, how this all began is that back in the 21st century, humanity started colonizing Mars. They invented the Grab Drive, which is basically the ability to essentially create mini wormholes and jump from do faster and light travel. And, you know, things were going pretty good. They established a Mars base. They established a a base on Titan. Mm. Everything was going great. But Mm -hmm. then, oh, no, the Earth's magnetosphere disappeared. That's bad. It is very bad. Um, And then the atmosphere just leaked out. And so within 50 years, they basically all had moved the entire Earth population off into the stars. And so... Now Earth is basically just a barren, lifeless frock with a thin layer of CO2 as an atmosphere uh, that, to give the game credit, you can visit very quickly, like right away. Hmm. And they immediately go, you don't actually want to be here. Right. There's nothing. You, sh- you should get out of here. But good on them for not trying to be like a mystery of like, ooh, what happened to Earth? We need to get back to Earth. Like mm-hmm. a Battlestar Galactica situation. Right. They're just straight up, nah, here's Earth. It's, yeah, no, nah, it's... It's bad. It's bad do you want stay away that go to mars it's cooler uh visit the apollo landing site um so yeah basically everybody moved to uh the stars and they set up a new organization uh rose up out of all the nations of earth and whatnot basically united states china all that's gone Mm -hmm. and it's now been replaced by a united government called the united colonies now this is where we get to our first real uh, narrative issue that I have with this, and it's going to uh-huh. seem very, very minor and almost tangential. But follow me here. Okay. So most of humanity got off of Earth. Nothing else did. Right. And by nothing else, I mean no other animals. Plants did. They they are growing lime trees on planets and stuff. Mm-hmm. But no animals. Not a cockroach. Not a bird and no dogs. Now, Mm -hmm. there's no dialogue in the game that says all dogs are extinct, but they do go to great pains to say that no more Labradors exist, aka (laughs) the most popular breed of dog in the United States. Right. And you never see a dog or a cat, so I think it's safe to say that all dogs are extinct. Which is a nuts sort of thing to even consider. Yep,
1: yep, that's... mm.
0: Hmm. Now, once again, this is going to seem very tangential, but... I was discussing this with uh, uh, my chat while I was doing, like, speedruns on mm-hmm. Twitch. And somebody mentioned, okay, well, what do people keep as pets then? And that's <laughs> that's when it actually fell apart for me. Uh-huh. Nobody keeps pets in this future. Like, humanity who, I swear to God, if it is an animal, they will try to find a way to put it inside their home, even Mm -hmm. though they shouldn't. Yep. There are so many YouTubers out there who are just like, man, we just have raccoons in our house. (laughs) And they slowly destroy everything and turn on every faucet and actively attack them and poop everywhere. Like, there are at least 12 or so news stories every year of somebody being like, we got ourselves a tiger. Oh no, the tiger killed our child. Like, and the idea that there's actually like zero right. pets in this universe mm. is insane to me.
1: Y- yeah, and it's like okay, did it, so? Did they not save like livestock? No pets, no livestock, no stowaway insects or rodents. Like not nothing.
0: Yeah, absolutely nothing. They just somehow had a clean barrier. Absolutely nothing got on to all the starships that had been colonizing other, you know, plants and exo like plants into the, like the solar system right. and whatnot. Uh, yeah, they somehow were able to just clean barrier that stuff, which is going to become very funny because one of the faction side quests involves them very much not doing that. So in a way that you're like, how did, you couldn't get a single cockroach off the Earth, but somehow this became a problem. Hmm. Yeah. So once again, this seems very like weird and like tangential but it was one of the things where like immediately i just kind of like it kind of broke for me
1: yeah no you're absolutely right this is kind of an endemic problem because Mm -hmm. it is it immediately creates the sense that no one has actually thought about hey what does everyday life look like in this world
0: Mm -hmm. yeah exactly exactly yeah nobody's like thought about that at all and nobody seems to have thought about the implications of everyone having to leave earth in a weird way right in a way that may come up later as the story continues Mm. but also not in a way of like like there's little bits and pieces where people will reference earth or how their family came from like japan or like other countries there Mm -hmm. but like the idea that there's essentially only two like actual governments in all of space is like nuts to me yeah yeah it's yeah so it's like well, I mean, people are going to take those, like, you know, nationalistic values, like, into space with them. Like, it's that's just not going to somehow, start, like, stop. Right. Like, even, like, something like Star Trek, where that's something that very much did happen, like, they still go to great pains to explain, oh, no, that's tendencies are still there, and mm-hmm. also there was a bunch of events that happened in between that knocked all that out. Like, so, yeah, it's very much like they set up this, like, timeline of things that happened. 150 years passed, and they went... Everything's fine now, I guess. Also, all dogs are dead. <laughs> yeah, so it's really, really strange, and it only gets stranger from there. So, as mentioned, there's going to be two, essentially two governments here. There's the mm-hmm. United Colonies, and then, like, they're basically just a governing group that was supposed to help settle straight space travelers, and it eventually went, well, I guess we're the government now. Uh, They are a quasi fascist but also not really organization kind of ostensibly democratic ostensibly america coded but Mm -hmm. also still not really kind of organization Mm -hmm. that maybe the maybe like a cross between like the united federation of planets from star trek crossed with the world government from starship troopers Uh uh-huh okay uh now their big thing like their big thing is like oh hey when you're born here you're not a citizen you have to do service and whatnot and service is usually in the military uh everything is very very clean Mm -hmm. uh all the roads are paved everything is fine don't go underground where all the poor people live they don't exist don't worry about them Mm -hmm. uh you can't buy property though unless you're a citizen yeah so like they're that's basically they're just like elements of like those uh those two particular sci-fi, uh, right, sci-fi right. franchises, and they basically existed as like the only game in town until like somebody was like, "Well, what if we just want to settle other planets and be our own governments?" And then he went, "Yeah, no, that's cool. You should do that." Um, like they were shockingly chill about it. Okay. Yeah. That. Okay. Let's let's see where this goes. It's gonna end badly for them. But okay. <laughs> basically, a guy named Solomon Cole. Uh, Solomon Poe even, yes.
1: Uh <laughs> Okay, no, it's fine. It's fine. Biblical it's reference. Fine. Got it. We'll move on.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna go to a planet called Aquila. Uh he's basically originally from Wyoming and he basically founds a system called Cheyenne.
1: Uh I don't know why you would name a whole new star system after anything in Wyoming, but that's fine. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, no, it's absolutely hilarious, actually. I mean, to be fair, it's better than the capital city of the United Colonies, which is called New Atlantis. So.
1: Yeah, that seems not like a good... Seems foreboding, but that's okay.
0: Yeah, just a bit, right? So, yeah, he basically goes to this planet that's like a that's more or less the Wild West planet that literally is just filled with animals that are constantly trying to kill people and goes, Nah, this is perfect. I'm going to okay. form a new colony here. Now... All this, alongside a, another planet that is literally just Space Asia uh, called Neon. <laughs> uh, like, it's literally Cyberpunk City. It okay. literally is that. Japanese characters everywhere. They basically come together to form something called the Freestar Collective, which is basically just space libertarian hellhole. They're like all about individual rights. You gotta pick yourself up by the bootstraps. We just have sheriffs around, and we don't believe in fire departments um (laughs) (laughs) okay so yeah they basically just form a coalition of planets and uh cowboy planet forms a
1: coalition with the space saibatsu and um how did these people get the money and equipment to colonize planets
0: great question they never explain it
1: like There's a reason major libertarian governments don't really exist. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's because it takes a lot of, like, collaboration and resources to make one, which isn't what libertarians really do or share.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's a reason why I made a not funding the fire department reference, because there have been multiple instances of libertarians taking over city councils defunding their fire departments and then their town burning down
1: <laughs> like how do how do you establish an interplanetary coalition government <laughs> yeah
0: it's um it's not the most thought out thing in the world for the case of neon it's a it at least makes a little bit of sense it's a mm. water planet a and a company there showed up to basically do fishing right and then they found out you can get high off the fish okay. and okay so then it became a drug planet instead okay Got so it. they at least have money because of that. Um, and then they decided at some point to be like, I don't know, what if it's just going to be basically cyberpunk?
1: Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I figured OK, this is like the future Singapore Shanghai yes. planet.
0: It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Got it. OK. Yeah. And so like right away, I, I think we have basically I've already explained what I was building up to. But every one of these planets and every one of these governments is the most derivative thing in the world. Yes. You have your ultra-clean Star Trek planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Cowboy Planet, where it's basically like none of the roads are paved. Mm-hmm. Everything's built out of brick. Like, it's basically just like, oh, man, old dusty town saloon
1: doors. Right. Which Our,
0: <sighs> our company are, that makes our firearms is called Laredo, and they make revolvers and shotguns.
1: <laughs> like, I do like Firefly, so I'm not trying... I'm trying not to shatter the glass on Firefly as I say this. Mm-hmm. But, like, man, y'all got spaceships. What are you doing? Yeah, right? <laughs> pave your
0: roads. Yeah, you can at least pave your fucking roads. Like, come on now. Nobody likes dust everywhere. I'm sorry. They don't. All right? Like, I I grew up in the Southwest. I technically grew yeah. up in a Wild West town, sort of. They pave the roads there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like... I- I- but again, it, it's funny as hell, though, that like literally the first thing I landed did when I landed there is saw that everybody had future cowboy hats.
1: Oh, yeah, um, of course.
0: And Amelia went, Yes, I'm going to buy that in something called a space poncho. And it is indeed called a space poncho and it looks rad. But it's like, okay, we get what you're doing here. And right. then, yeah, like, and then with Neon. Like, I was joking around with my chat. It's like, yeah, no. And there's a place that's like Cyberpunk City. And they're like, oh, so you're going to join the space zaibatsu then? It's like, yo, literally, there's a quest Mm -hmm. to join the space zaibatsu. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You can get a job. And it's like, they're like, wait, we were joking. It's like, Bethesda wasn't.
1: Yep. No, of course. And like, (sighs) Firefly might not hold up. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Mm -hmm. But from, like, the big problem here is that, like, any of these settings, I feel like, could work if you Mm -hmm. went to great pains to explain how they got to be what they are. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like they really work together.
0: No. There's something that is very disparate about all of these, like, almost, like, different areas of a Disney theme park. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Of just like, yeah, we have Tomorrowland over here and, you know, we have, you know, Main Street USA and like, and it's like, well, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, people have like different like cultures and different like values and whatnot, but everywhere they speak with American accents and and they're all like incredibly multicultural anyways. So it's like the only distinct flavoring they have is that, well, I guess they do a drug called Aurora here an awful lot (laughs) and there's a sufferable corporate types, right? and over here they are cowboy people who are like, but we like our land. We have space cows. Like, it, it ends mm-hmm. up being, like, once again, just the most superficial attempts at differences. And right. Yeah, and, like,
1: this- yeah, again, to harp on Firefly again, It Firefly had sort of the same problem, but you never felt it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it did a good job of sometimes explaining, but sometimes just sort of, like, rolling with the idea of, like, well, you know, it's different different planets they have different economic situations people are from different situations Mm. i don't know something about this just it doesn't work as well well i think with like something like firefly
0: it was all space cowboy but like it was different flavors of it all throughout it so like it was like here's this like kind of variation on that trope and here's this variation on a trope in a way that
1: Sometimes they would go to, like, the major inner planets that are just giant metropolises.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was like, yeah, in, in the inner ring, in the core government worlds, they have, like, lots of money and lots of technology and they build up super big.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, I don't exactly. know. It's like that, that's the inner worlds. That's the, the nature of the, like, genuinely fascist government. It's yeah. like, well, just, I don't know, throw the colonists off on the desert planet and hopefully the terraformers will work.
0: I, I think the issue is that, like, whereas, like, Firefly has shades between, yeah, just, like, mm-hmm. Old West, you're on your own, and Giant Metropolis. Yeah. Like, there's stuff in between. There's yeah. nothing in between for this.
1: Right, yeah, you're right. There, there, Yeah, there's no gradient. There's no, like... You can't see how this became like this, but that became like that. Mm-hmm. It just feels arbitrary that, like... Oh, yeah, the libertarians just wanted to be cowboys and or cyberpunks.
0: Yep, pretty much. And then they just went and did that and they were like, here's our cool theme park. And it's like, all right, Brad, I guess we'll go hang out here. So, yeah, you have these two major governments and then there's like other there's like this religious group called the Balvaroon who worship something called the Great Serpent and are like basically religious, like extremist. uh, Uh Uh-huh. I have not dealt with them enough. They're the third major faction. I'm sure they're going to come up in the main storyline in some way that's going to be insufferable. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't know what their deal is too much at this point. So we're just going to just leave them just hanging on out there.
1: I hope they worship the dragons of Valhalla.
0: I hope so too. But (laughs) it sounds like I don't think they do. I think think their serpent is more metaphysical as opposed to a literal serpent. Yeah given just, the three just, radiant conversations I had where they told me exactly that.
1: Damn. Just, I don't know, just drop Sovngarde in here, man. Just, why not? Might as
0: well, yes. Make a reference to the Dragonborn. Yeah. You already have an arrow to the knee reference in your purse, oh, so why not? God. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Basically, these two separate governments existed, and then eventually there ended up being a conflict. Uh, the Freestar Collective wanted to colonize another planet, uh, you know, Callney said, "Nah, they got into a big giant war because of that." But Wait, they why refined. did they say no
1: that time? That's a great question. I don't know. Uh. because
0: there's that big old like law that they signed that was like, "Yeah, you can just call nice stuff, whatever." Right. And they went, "But no, not that one."
1: Not that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it. You know, maybe they just got more governmenty at some point, or like, ah, you know, not that one. It's right. it's actually habitable. Stay on your hell planet where oh, everything's trying right. to eat yeah. you.
1: No, not the nice ones.
0: Yeah, not the nice Those ones. Those are ours. Yeah, no. No, please go to the shit planets. <laughs> They're nothing but radiation. Um, So, like, yeah, that all happens. And then, like, there's a bit of peace. And then 20 years before the game starts, there is the colony war. Where basically the same thing happens. Where the Freestar Collective tries to colonize a planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the UC goes, no. And then they get into a big old giant space war, complete with mechs. Should that
1: be like the second colony war? You think it
0: would be, but no. The first war is the Narian War, whereas the second war is the Colony War.
1: Isn't every war they have the Colony War because they're all colonies?
0: Yes, but you know, Colony War Two was a bad video game
1: for the PlayStation. So yeah, uh,
0: they only want to reference the first good one.
1: Wait. Is something a colony if it's not a colony of anything? Like, they're not colonies of Earth, because Earth is dead.
0: Yeah. But the United Colonies is still something is still a thing, so like, yeah, are, yeah. They, are the
1: colonies colonizing? Are isn't this just like new nations? You would think so, but um no, I guess. Shouldn't shouldn't they just be like the United planets?
0: That would make more sense, but nah
1: okay anyway the colony wars happened
0: yeah so yeah the colony wars happened and despite the fact that the united colonies was like so much stronger and like had like better mechs and mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff and like basically got aliens and like used them as like bioweapons and all sorts of stuff wait what oh yeah yeah they they got aliens and made bioweapons we're gonna talk more about that later. okay i will go into depth about that stupid thing okay uh yeah, they basically end up getting to a giant battle over the planet uh, Cheyenne, the capital of of the Free Star Collective. Uh-huh. And after blowing up a bunch of civilians and being very salty about the fact that they that they blew up a bunch of civilians, they lost their entire fleet. And so are like, well, I guess we kind of have to surrender.
1: <laughs> Wait, who lost their entire fleet? Uh, the United Colonies did.
0: How? So the Free Star Collective basically commissioned a bunch of civilian ships, put weapons on them, and just sent them after the UC. And so the UC went, well, we're going to just blow them all up. And while they were blowing them up, the Free Star Collective's actual good ships, like, kind of, like, went around their back and just, like, shot up their fleet, more oh, or
1: less. I feel like they shouldn't have committed their entire fleet to shooting down jury-rigged civilian ships.
0: Yeah, it's kind of sad that they fell for the Zap Brannigan me- method of war. <laughs> little bit. Yeah, but they did. I mean, to be fair, their leader of their fleet was an idiot named Vavicus. Okay, yeah, fair. Yeah, um, try-hard Latin name, so he, uh, yeah, needless to say, they were just like, well, I guess we're gonna go ahead and surrender now, uh, so we can have more favorable terms. And the terms were basically like, nah, we are gonna colonize this planet that we wanted to colonize. Uh, you have to basically execute your, uh, You're, like, commanding Admiral because he's a war-criming guy who basically just, like, murdered a bunch of civilians. Yeah. And also, you're not... We're going to outlaw all mech combat for some reason. Okay. Which is the equivalent, I guess, of, like, outlawing tanks or something.
1: Yeah, were the mechs, like, super weapons? Were they capable of untold destruction?
0: It doesn't really seem like they were. There's, like, a giant mech battlefield that you run into that is on a dead planet, but Uh it... It's like, they didn't... That planet was dead before they got there, so...
1: Right. Are they, like, Battletech mechs where they run on nuclear generators that could theoretically go critical and create massive explosions?
0: Um, I don't know what they run off of, but they are very Battletech-looking. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So, I'm gonna say, probably. Okay. But yeah, they banned that, they ban xenobiology, and they basically have to put them in these, like, archives that are controlled by both the UC, the, uh... Free Star Collective and the Valrune for some reason. Okay. And nobody can access them unless all three of them agree. And so that's kind of like what sets up the game. Uh, In the current day, UC is still trying to rebuild, the Free Star Collective is still being space libertarians, and the Valrune are doing whatever. And that's where we kind of get to our main character. So, your character can come from a different variety of backgrounds and whatnot, and Once again, this is a very good character creator. Mm. It is incredibly robust with how you make your character look from different body types to how your face looks to, like, different scars and whatnot. In a way that, like, probably sounds very, like, common for a lot of video games, but, like, they actually go to, like, incredible detail of, like, Mm. how you can actually, like, edit things around. Right. It also means it's very easy to make a
1: potato person. (laughs) Yep, which... Yeah, that's pretty par for the course with Bethesda games. Um, it is. They, so, they Go ahead. Sorry, quick question. Uh, this being a Bethesda RPG, it is still in first person, yes?
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, you can put yourself into a third person view right. if you want to. And every time you go to a menu, you're definitely going to be seeing, like, um, a bottom-up look view of your character. Okay. Yeah. Shrouded, like, shadowed, too. So, like, your character just always looks terrible. It's mm it's great yeah uh, but yeah so you can do things like you know make yourself like a united colony citizen or like um a native or Freestar native and they all have different dialogue options based upon that or like a de- geologist or all these different things and there's like different traits that are like really like cool and unique like giving yourself parents to send money to you every week and mm. all like all sorts of like incredibly wacky ones as well like you have the costly jumper or the otherwise you get weaker
2: <laughs>
0: uh this is all to say that it all ultimately doesn't matter because you start the game out as a miner. Mm. You're you're a miner on on a moon, uh, in some planet system. I think Argos. No, Argos is who you work for. You, uh, some planetary system. It really it does not matter at all. Right. Uh, you're working with two other people. They refer to you as Dusty, and your background. If it's like a diplomat, it's like it doesn't matter. You're just hanging out here. You just decide to become a miner <laughs> one day making the entire thing kind of pointless. Okay, sure. So Alex, the game starts with you just being like, all right, here's your plasma cutter. Go and start mining out some iron. And then then your boss is like, oh, by the way, there's a special thing we need to mine out. It's this artifact that's just in these rocks. Can you mine out the artifact?" And, Mm -hmm. you know, so we can get it to the person who's going to pay us a lot of money for it. And so you mine it out and then you touch it and then immediately you get a vision Of the grandeur of space as, like, you zoom out from the galaxy and wild music plays. This all happens within the first five minutes of the game. Uh, It's immediately the most mass effect thing that could possibly Mm -hmm. happen. To the point that when it throws you into the character creator right afterwards, I just need myself Commander Shepard.
1: Sure, might as well.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, you get knocked out, you immediately are woken up afterwards, and then, like, your boss is like, wow, that was crazy. Are you feeling all right? And you're like, yeah, man, it's like I had a religious experience. It's crazy. Uh, one thing about your character is that your character's not voiced anymore. In Fallout 4 it was. Mm. Oh, right. And they made the decision to make sure you're not voiced in this so they could write more lines and not have to record them. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Yeah, uh, an overall positive choice, I'm going to say. Uh, but anyways, you're told that this group called Constellation commissioned your group in order to like dig this artifact up because they're gathering up for some reason. Now what happens is that immediately this pirate group called the crimson pirates uh, just shows up, starts shooting up the place for reasons. No, yeah. uh, you have to shoot them. You immediately run into your first companion, a guy by the name of Barrett, whose entire thing is that he's just basically like a swashbuckling guy. Who's like incredibly sarcastic, but very worldly. Hmm. Uh, He's willing to sit down with his enemies to have incredibly long chats about, like, uh, religion and, and you know, and psychology and all that sort of stuff. And comes off it, as, like, very much, like, carefree.
1: Uh-huh. Is, is he
0: a pirate? He is not, but he is on the fringes of this group uh, called Constellation. Okay. And he basically was, like, a space explorer before he joined up with them, uh, before things went bad. And he had, and of course, ends up having a tortured past because of it. Right. So he immediately finds out that you touched the artifact and had visions. He's like, oh, man, that's crazy. I touched an artifact and had visions, too. You should join our group called Constellation. I'm going to give you my ship, and you can go to uh the planet uh, Jemison in the Alpha Centauri, where the head of the UC is, and you can go and just join our organization. I'll stay here with the miners to help protect them. Because, you know, they're, like, not wanting to get attacked by the, you know, the Crimson Pirates, Crimson Raiders again, so just take my ship and leave, it's fine.
1: <sighs> okay, I I think I just figured out what the problem is. What's the problem, Alex? This is an Elder Scrolls plot. Yes, it is. This, this is literally, yeah, no, this is a, literally a Skyrim plot. Like, it... It, Dragonborn. It, it, it is more than just like, oh, this is Skyrim again. It is the problem of if this were happening in a high fantasy setting, I wouldn't have nearly as many questions about mm. all this crap. Yeah, it would just be like, oh yeah, at one point there was a war, and these religious fanatics believe in the great worm, and mm. uh, there's artifacts that give you visions, and a secret society of vision havers. That yeah, yeah, I know how the Elder Scrolls work.
0: Hmm. Yep yep yeah that's exactly what it is it is except in like a world that's supposed to be more fleshed out than that yeah
1: but once yeah once you bring spaceships into it you need to start like actually explaining things Mm -hmm. because we we ostensibly are supposed to have science now
0: yeah ostensibly but they they aren't i mean they'll like get into like the deal with the artifacts as the game goes on but Mm -hmm. like at the start no they're just very much like oh you did the thing all right, man. I guess you should just go and handle it. You're the only one competent enough to do this now, and they're they're going to do this multiple times. Like right. there's going to be multiple quest lines where it's just like, oh wow, you're just in the right place at the right time. And even though you are just kind of a bumfuck nobody, <laughs> um, and you're working for the government now, instead of assigning this to somebody who probably has more experience with this, what if you just
1: did it? Did it? Just what if you just did
0: it? You you joined the military police five minutes ago, but you happened to just, like, look around the corner and see an alien. Clearly, you're now an alien expert. You're going to go save the universe. And it's like, but you should have people for this, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. you should have people. Do do I have, like, a commanding officer? Is there a chain of command? Like, and the answer is, well, yeah, but
0: as we're going to find out, they're going to immediately just cede all responsibility to you anyway, so whatever. Okay. Yeah, so, speaking of seeding responsibility, you immediately take your ship, you fly to uh, New Jemison, and you go to the Lodge, the head of Constellation. And you learn about what their deal is. Constellation basically is an organization that was founded by some jackass, Mm. who was basically like, we want to explore the stars, and that's their whole thing. And they're basically a bunch of eclectic explorers from varied backgrounds, and... They're currently being led by a woman by the name of Sarah Morgan, who we are definitely going to get into later. Okay. Because she is part of maybe one of the most baffling things about the companions in this game. Okay. Anyways, it's like her, uh, she's going to be one of the, like, your main companions. There's like um, a few other people like Sam Coe, uh, who's like the grandson of Solomon Coe and is basically Gruff Cowboy Man. Uh-huh. All uh He's voiced by the same voice actor as Adam Jensen from Deus
1: Ex. Oh, good. <laughs> I love that guy. But, man, it is hard not to make his characters in the memes.
0: It really is. And he does the exact same voice. <laughs> 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 he is just a constant whispering cowboy. We're going to get to his deal a little bit more in a bit when we talk about the companions. But Okay. Um... Uh, but yeah, they basically go like, wow, you did this thing? Alright, well, you're going to need to go and get more of these, uh, like, more of these artifacts and whatnot, and we're gonna need to piece together the mystery of this whole thing. Are they from aliens? Are they naturally naturally occurring things? And it's like, they're aliens, idiot, but alright. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll play along with this. Sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, but also, like, Why? Why? we can have a mystery okay but why does your character care you were mining for reasons you found Mm -hmm. a thing you touched it saw space Mm -hmm. and like okay
0: yeah you saw space you killed like five dudes right after that some guy guy you've never met before gave you a spaceship and said join constellation and you just kind of shrug your shoulders and go sure okay I and, guess so.
1: And like I'm not going to pretend that Elder Scrolls games don't have this problem of mm. hey, good job escaping that dragon attack. Anyway, you should go join the Stormcloaks. Mhm. Why? I don't I
0: don't care. Yeah, no. I'm, first off, I'm an Argonian and they're racist, but yeah,
1: and two. But two, I I just got wrongfully question mark imprisoned escaped execution mm-hmm. like Okay, I'm just going to go back to whatever it was I was doing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, which was apparently trying to leave Skyrim.
1: Yeah. No, I guess I'll just be the destined hero now. Sure. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they do that exact same thing here. Yeah. Like, it pains me to say that Fallout 4 had a better premise than this did.
1: Yeah, at least Fallout 4 gives you a plot hook. Mm -hmm. like the the artifact didn't give you a vision of an impending threat or a great evil it just showed you space and you were like man space is cool i'm gonna join those space guys
0: Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what you do yep yeah so you meet basically all the different people at constellation um Some of them are actually, like, legitimately good characters, but of course they're not companions. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, Walter Stroud, who's, like, a a CEO of a a spaceship company, Mm. who's, like, has, like, maybe one of my favorite, like, relationships with a loved one I've ever seen. His wife is his business partner, and they are constantly trying to undermine each other and drive (laughs) each other out of the company. But they're doing so out of love to challenge each other. To the point when somebody else tries to like mess with them, they're like, nah, we gotta kill these people. <laughs> like, I'm like, ah oh, yeah, nah, these people are rad. Why can't I hang out with them more? Mm. Instead, I gotta hang out with fucking Sarah Morgan. Yeah. Um <laughs> and Sam Co. Whispering Cowboy sad cowboy. <laughs> um so yeah, they're me like, okay, man, you need to go find some more artifacts, and that basically involves you going to all the major hub areas to get artifacts. Uh-huh. Once again, I haven't gone too far into the main story, but I will tell you that eventually you stumble upon an alien temple, and that upon putting some of the artifacts in, like basically like it resonates with one of your artifacts, mm-hmm. and after doing a very simple puzzle, you go into the center of it, and then you get special powers. Okay. Special powers that are assigned to the exact same key as your dragon shouts from Skyrim. <sighs> yep. And mm-hmm. one of them that is indeed a gravity wave that pushes people over. Okay. Yep. 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 Sure. And it is it is hella effective? Let me tell you. Yeah, I imagine. Giant hell monster that is known for laying waste to entire, uh, entire colonies. Push him over. Shoot him with gun an awful lot. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it takes care of him. Um. Now this is where we get into maybe though another thing that is going to probably come across as kind of odd to be a complaint. Mm-hmm. But the powers actually spoil the. Um, They spoil a major plot element in the story. Uh, uh. As you see, they tell you like, oh, you should go find some more temples and uh, we're going to mark them on your map. You can go to them and get more powers. And Mm -hmm. like, all right, cool. Like there's one power that basically allows you to have a breathable atmosphere around you. It's another planet that basically just lowers gravity so you can jump higher. And then there's a power that's called sense star stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, first off, perfect name. Clear first pass, and they got it right the first time. Yep. Second, the description of the power is it can sense any human, alien, or star being. And I saw that and went, okay. I know where this is
1: going now. Yep. Okay. Uh first of all, yeah, love a good UI spoiler. Mm-hmm. Second of all, why? <laughs> Yeah,
0: why is there an ancient alien civilization that's probably extra dimensional, just hanging out there? Probably that's, I'm going to just take a wild guess, responsible for why Earth is uninhabitable now? Probably mm-hmm. related probably. to humanity's hubris or some shit, I don't know. Yeah, why, why is that going to be in there? The most obvious possible trope that you could possibly have possibly gone with with your space game? Something that literally Mass Effect went with, and even though it's well done there, or at least well done for the first two games, mm-hmm. people were still like, Oh yeah, I mean this is an original, but at least it's well done. Yeah. Yeah, that one?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. I mean I mean like what I, I guess first of all, what else were they gonna do? Because so far this has just been Mass Effect without mm-hmm. interesting alien races.
0: Like Mass Effect but Speed Ran? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um Mass Effect but Skyrim. But second of all, like, okay, wait, I'm sorry, I have to actually stop on this because, wow, Skyrim just does nothing interesting with its, like, non-human races, does it?
0: I mean, they did do interesting things with, like, the Argonians of Khajiit, and then they said, but what if their legs worked correctly so they could wear boots? Right. And then I immediately stopped caring. (laughs) I mean, I, that seems like, once again, it seems like a weird thing, but it's also like, oh, yeah, that's an interesting character trait. Oh, no. Well, no. okay. No, yeah, it's, no, it's
1: not. No, but I mean, like, specifically Skyrim hmm. has, like, all of its factions are just humans. Yeah. Fighting humans. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is like, hey, what's going on with you guys? Uh, Nothing. Skyrim is for the Nords. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. you
0: get, like, one Argonian being like, man, those Nords are pretty racist. And you're like, yep.
1: yep. Yeah, they sure are. Anyway, see you later.
0: I'm gonna be in a kajit that for some reason joins the storm cloaks.
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> it it appears to be that or self Skuma. Yeah, one or the other. <laughs> and that's like that's what kind of what I see happening here mm-hmm. is like why is the colony war the most interesting thing they can talk about yeah. in space? Yeah.
0: A somewhat conventional war that evolved mechs and it was over basically just like land rights. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Like, Mass Effect's equivalent is the contact war. Mm-hmm. Where an entire alien species showed up on our doorstep and then we got into a fight that nearly eradicated humanity. Mm. But also kind of the Turians? <laughs> to the point that other aliens had to show up and be like, okay, stop. Mm-hmm both of you stop <laughs> this is like not great for us
0: i i love the i love the first contact war because yeah it's like the turians show up and be like no you can't call nice here get out He would come like... back punch him in the face and then <laughs> like the turians have to be held back by the Asari, <laughs> being like no bro they're not
1: worth it they're not worth it <laughs> yeah what up what up <laughs> humanity's here now yeah. hey let us on, let us on the council
0: let us on the council
1: <laughs> the council's like what no
0: your population's one one-hundredth of ours, and we just kept you from getting
1: murdered. But, go away. You've been here for a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're like, yeah, let us on the council. Yeah, let us on the council. Council looks awesome. Let us on. Be are pretty rad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. yeah, this, this game's making me like Mass Effect an awful lot. God,
0: yeah, I'm just being reminded by how much I like Mass Effect. Yeah. It's just... God.
1: Okay, yeah. anyway, so I guess there's star people, and you're mm. something, I don't know, there's temples, there's artifacts in major population centers?
3: Um,
0: They're not in major population centers. Uh, okay. The most recent mission I did was to go to, uh, yeah, Space Singapore and get one, and I, I guess I'll say this now, like, this was literally, like, just hours ago from this recording. I okay. did actually run into my first star person. Oh. Uh, well, I ran into a spaceship. That was like we're the we're star people. You can't have those artifacts, and we went. Uh, we're gonna just
1: leave. <laughs> Literally, just grabbed, <laughs>
0: jumped out of there.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, was it. yeah. Fair, fair enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "Well, shit, we didn't
1: anticipate that one." <laughs> Wait, so where was the artifact before you grabbed it?
0: Um, I think it got dug up somewhere or something. I don't okay. Know. They do, I don't think they explain that. They're usually found basically like embedded in rock and then you have to get them out and then you have a vision that is literally just the same vision from the first, like just slightly expanded. Like, right. Hey, it's an even, you're zooming out even further and seeing even more galaxies and stuff like that. Right. So yeah, that's kind of like where the game is, is at right now and yeah, no, I'm predicting that yeah, the star beings are going to be the reason why humanity's in this situation in this first place and are right. probably going to try to destroy the rest of humanity because we're getting forbidden knowledge or something and they're going to be extra dimensional and i don't know maybe something interesting will happen with that but again if you see a podcast episode then yes
1: i I, I already watched gurren logan so i don't see Mm -hmm. how this could be a more interesting version of that
0: oh man i don't know if they decide to just like (laughs) steal gurren logan's like entire plot i'd at least be down
1: but they're not going to do it Like, to the point of you end up fighting on top of galaxies with your giant robots. Oh, they absolutely are not, no. They're gonna be like, no, you can't pilot that giant robot, just look at it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just look at it. They've been banned in the treaty, because we didn't want to program the ability to ride around in giant mechs. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Not not great so far. Uh-huh. It's not a great start. Okay. And I once again I don't have any indications that it's going to get any particularly better because boy, Alex, the companions in this game are written terribly. Oh boy. So let's talk about them. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, um, I only have four companions. Technically five, but one of them is a robot and he doesn't count. Uh, he's okay. not sentient.
1: Okay. <sighs> Okay, so first of all, like, having played Mass Effect and Knights of the Old Republic, the fact that you say the robot companion doesn't count as a companion, Mm -hmm. like, okay, Red Mark. Yep. Huge Red Mark. The fact that it isn't the best companion Mm -hmm. is the first problem.
0: Yep. (laughs) The fact that it basically shouldn't, it should not be a companion, second Red Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, unfortunately you're dealing with mostly humans here if you want to have any sort of interaction. And how they go about it is insane. So I have four companions right now. Uh uh, they are Andrea, who I've barely dealt with. Uh I rescued her from a planet and that was she was sent there by Constellation to basically do stuff, and then she is very sad about failing her mission and is like, hey man, cover for me. Cover for me for the fact that I didn't succeed getting this artifact. It is basically just like space Spani- Spaniard, more or less. Okay. Uh, there's Barrett, who is confusing to me. So c- companions work in a sense of like depending on what you say in your conversations to them or actions that you take while they're an active companion, mm-hmm. they'll gain affinity or lose affinity with you, and they'll be represented by saying like, "Oh, hey, Barrett, like this," or "Barrett dislike this," or okay. "What have you?" Sure. Um. And so, like, it gives you incentive to like know what these characters like, so you can, you know, say and do things that will raise their affinity with them, so you can mm-hmm. have additional conversations about their backstory, get additional missions from them, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. This is how it worked in Fallout Four, essentially. Right. Uh, Barrett's is very confusing because he's a very like like otherworldly like. Like quasi spiritual, not in the sense that he is spiritual, but he's like interested in exploring those concepts. Very mm. open minded sort of person. Mm-hmm. That whenever you try to actually be open minded with him, he's like he treats you like you're a weirdo. Ah, uh, he's okay. like like it yeah, was like this whole thing where he has like this entire conversation with a pirate about like you know the nature of like consciousness and whatnot. And then when you tell him it's like man yeah touching an artifact was like religious experience, you get bear dislike that. He's like uh-huh. uh huh that's strange like i'm sorry <laughs> barry i'm sorry that i touched his artifact had a strange ass alien vision and then came out the other side not being like well i guess that was nothing <laughs> i don't know i think that's kind of a weird thing you don't think that's a weird thing person who also had this vision <laughs> <laughs> fucking asshole So like there's him mm-hmm. there's samco who is uh, once again, whispering cowboy he right. comes from a like a very prominent family who basically rebelled against his dad, uh, former weird druggy smuggler guy who be- eventually became a libertarian sheriff, uh, he has a daughter, he's a single parent, mm-hmm. um, his, his uh, wife is an ex-wife in the sense that she's divorced. Uh, mm-hmm. and she also does not approve of the fact that Samco takes his daughter with them everywhere, including on deadly missions.
1: Yeah, that,
0: okay, kind of fair. <laughs> Their daughter is ten, by the way.
1: Yep, okay, maybe she shouldn't be in the sheriff car mm-hmm. hunting the deadly meteorite traffickers or whatever.
3: Right?
0: It's It's funny because he's like, um... He's like, no, I don't take her out into the field as we're flying around in our ship shooting spacers who are trying to murder us for our minerals.
1: (laughs) Sam, space is the field.
0: It is 100% the field, (laughs) Sam. (laughs) It 100% is. Like, I will say his interactions with his daughter are incredibly cute and I think are very, very well done. Mm Um like she's like really into science and space and he's really worried about being a single parent in a way that I think is actually pretty endearing to both their characters. Mhm. Uh, that is just sprinkled also with the fact that like his ex-wife is like maybe she shouldn't be in space, maybe she should be in school. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like so- sorry dear, we're space libertarians, so I'm allowed to just pull her out of school and just homeschool her on the field with a gun. <laughs>
1: Okay, yeah, that's a little... Mm, mm-hmm.
0: Now, I do want to highlight Sam a little bit more because there is one thing with the, with the way the dialogue works that I actually think is an incredibly well-done thing with Starfield. Mm-hmm. So your dialogue choices actually matter. And by matter, I mean still in a superficial way, but the matter in the sense of that characters remember what you do and how you respond to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and it isn't just like your companions. It's literally every character in the game I found. Okay. Uh, where you will like say something in a previous conversation and then in a follow-up conversation, they will a hundred percent reference it. Hmm. Uh, Like I told Sam, it's like, Oh yeah, no. uh, It's cool that you take your daughter out into the field and expose her to danger. Yeah, no, that's not stupid at all. It's like (laughs) Sam could like that. And he later, he's like, yeah, no, I talked to Lily and my ex-wife and yeah, you know, try to have a conversation with her about our daughter and like I told her about what you said, and she see she doesn't seem to like you a whole lot. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, she has a pretty good reason, honestly. Yeah, yeah, no, 100. percent I'm actually with Lily, and I'm a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, I actually think that's like really, really cool. And like, it an extent, like if you do something out in like the field, like, um, like make a decision towards an important character or shoot something or whatnot, later they're gonna be like, hey, we're gonna kind of talk about that. Um, why did you do that again? Want to <laughs> want to kind of explain. I, I didn't want to break it up then because that just this wasn't it wasn't the time for the place because you're right. just waving a gun around the bar. But <laughs> I think we got to talk about it now. So, like, I actually do really like that,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and this leads us into our final companion. I want to talk about Sarah Morgan, the leader of Constellation. So, Sarah is an anywhere between thirty-eight to forty-two year old British woman who, um. Basically used to be a part of the United Colonies military and whatnot. She was a big explorer and whatnot. Her parents are high-ranking diplomats that she rebelled against. Uh, to just be like a cool explorer slash military person. Served in the colony wars. Has trauma from that. And she's basically very, like, straight-laced kind of person who really takes the leadership, but at the same time is secretly worried about whether or not she's doing a good job. Because every other command she's ever had has fallen apart in a dramatically horrible fashion. Uh, in a way that's always out of her hands, such as mm-hmm. her ship got blown up by a bunch of people from the Freestar Collective, and she had to make difficult choices about her crew, but she blames herself for that. Like, a lot of survivor's guilt sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. She's not an inherently poorly written car- character, I want to point out. Okay. Uh, the thing I want to point out is just how, like, things kind of go with her, because she's a character I decided to romance. So... The reason why I did is because she's the first character that showed up that had the flirt option. And I went, uh-huh. yep, I'm going to go ahead and do this because I want to see where this goes. I want to see how bad this is. Okay. yeah. And Alex, it's very bad. Oh, boy. So, first off, I really love Jade Empire. Slight tangent. Yes. Agreed. In Jade Empire, you could romance a number of characters in that game. Mm-hmm. But the way Bethesda, not Bethesda, Bioware did it is that you have like five or six options in almost every conversation you have with a person. And some of those conversations they'll like respond favorably to, but it will also lock you out of like a romance with them. Because it'll say something that maybe like slightly irksome in a way they're like, eh, I know, yeah, maybe not with them, actually. But they still like overall agree with. So you'll still have like mm-hmm. a civil conversation. And then later you'll find out, oh, no, they're not interested in you and all sorry about it. You should have maybe paid attention to like their likes and dislikes and what they were as a person and actually had some emotional intelligence. And I always thought that was like really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually have to engage with them like they're people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, most people hate that. And so that's why every game has the romance option being like a heart in the corner or flirt, <sighs> which is something I hate, mm. but I understand why they do that. And with uh Sarah, It goes bonkers really quickly because the way Sarah responds to it is like, well, you know, I'm sort of your boss, and I think we kind of have a mission. I don't, not really sure about this. I mean, that's, 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 wow, that's sweet. That's really sweet of you. Ah. Mm -hmm. And this happens multiple times in a way (laughs) that it's like, Oh, buddy, it, my character just doesn't get the hint. She's just not yep. into you. I've seen yep. this conversation play out a million times in my life. Um, even when I was, like, really young and I didn't quite have enough emotional intelligence. Like, there, was, I mm-hmm. sort of got that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw that and it was just, like, kind of, like, there was, like, maximum cringe going on. I'm like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, because I know exactly what's going to happen. Eventually, I'm going to break her down. That's exactly what's going to happen, right? And that's exactly uh-huh. what happens. Yeah, of course it, it is sucks but it, mm-hmm. that's not the weird thing about this because that's that would just be part of like any game where
1: part it's a for the game course of rpg options. yeah
0: yeah it's unfortunately that's going to happen right you want to give you the maximum choices and there's never it's rarely ever going to be a situation where somebody's going to be like actually i'm not into you oh this is awkward uh i wish that what i wish that did happen there was a flirt option and in the end they're like listen buddy we need to have mm-hmm. a talk <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like at, at the end, like, they're like, oh yeah, we should definitely get into a relationship. And it's like, alright, cool. And in like literally a minute later in-game, she's like, hey, we need to have another talk. And I'm like, alright, cool, okay. yeah, whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I we've been traveling off a lot, you know, it's really nice that I'm like finally like super close to you. You know, we should like, maybe like take the next step. I think it's very important. And I'm like, fucking what next step? We just got into a late are, are we dating now? Alright, cool. Yeah, no. It's right. like the option that says, yeah, no, you should say yes. She's like, alright, cool, I'm gonna make the arrangements. And I'm like, fucking wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, in-game, well, I've known this person for two weeks, and mm-hmm. Sarah's gone from like, I have massive amounts of Survivor's Guild, I've tried to date people over my life, but it's never worked out. I'm too married to the stars to being like, man, wow. You're good at shooting a gun? and you vaguely agree with my politics, we should immediately get married. And I'm like, also, by the way, I think it should be officiated by my former lesbian lover. How do you how do you feel about that? Uh, like, uh? I'm like, that's awkward. You actually can't object to it. I did not, because I was like, fucking whatever, I don't care. <laughs> um, it also gets funnier, because it's like, do you want to invite anybody? She's like, no, I want this to be super personal. And I'm like, all right, cool. Show up there. It's like basically me, her, her former lesbian lover, and her mom. And it's like, I don't like any of this at all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just like they decided they wanted to have like a full set like relationship of actually getting married and like you know having to like go on dates and whatnot, and right? Stuff, but it ends up being accelerated so quickly that it's. <sighs> Is the most it ends up feeling like the most awkward sort of thing imaginable. Like, I guess it's better than Skyrim's like decision of being like, well, you're wearing an amulet, and so somebody sees and goes,
1: "Ah, shit, you're single. Let's get married." Yeah, that that one also was not great. Mm -hmm. Um, so i I can take a guess at what's actually going on there. Mm -hmm. It sounds like. It sounds like what's happening is the game is tracking an additional, like, secret counter of, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: hey, how close are you to this person?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And when that counter gets you close enough, then they move on to the next step. Yep. But it's not allowed to do that until you actually get into a relationship. But for reasons, it starts tracking before you get into the relationship. Mm -hmm. so as soon as you enter the relationship that counter then triggers the next step because you've already done a lot of stuff to get you super close to that person
0: yep yep and that is the most bethesda way for that to break because that is the exact oversight that is that you would see in a bethesda game but
1: here's here's the confounding part about that though i don't see how it could work properly (laughs) <laughs> because I don't see, based on the way you're describing your playthrough, how you could get into that relationship while that counter was still low. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I. I don't. I don't see how either. Yeah. It. It. It's a flawed. It's a flawed system from top to bottom. It's yeah. just It is incredibly flawed. That is also filled with some of like, like once again, I don't think Sarah Morgan's a bad character, but I think all the right. relationship dialogue is maybe some of the worst I have seen in a video game.
1: Mm, yeah. And I mean that the, the dialogue options and the general flow of how that's going to go comes down to like the writer in charge of it. Cause mm-hmm. like th- this is one of those things where there's going to be multiple people writing different parts of this. Cause one person can't possibly do all of it. Yeah. And who gets this particular one decide determines how well it's going to be done mm-hmm. and like how good a fit it is. Um, it, like the person who wrote that might be better at different aspects, but like they just weren't really the right pick for this one yeah but like from a system design perspective i feel like this is kind of the current state of bethesda game studios games Mm -hmm. is like you have all these systems but the once again the focus is so much on the scale of the game that you you don't have the resources to actually make sure the systems are doing what they should be doing Mm -hmm. properly yeah yeah, no, it,
0: it, it isn't. And, like, it's another example. I mean, that's like Bethesda games to a T, though, of, like, a ton of systems that try to interlock with each other, but they're always so half-baked or mm-hmm. done in such a rush fashion that they just can't help but break. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and this is another incredibly good example of that. So, yeah, uh, apparently there's other companions that you can get, and apparently there's one that's apparently really good, but... This may be the first Bethesda game where there has not been a single companion that I like. Hmm. There's not a fun there's not a fun news reporter girl uh that just wants to get the scoop or mm-hmm. you know an android who just really wants to be a detective like like there's nothing like that in this which is really unfortunate because like for as much as I fault Fallout 4 story there there were some characters in there I really liked. Mhm yeah. Whereas here, it's like the characters I like are at best temporary companions, or just sort of hanging out in a corner and have like three voice lines, and you go, "Oh, but I want to talk to you more." Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just, it's just bad. It's the writing in it is bad, and mm. this leads us to like I think our final little bit to get into the faction storylines. So there are a ton of different factions you can join, um, and the way some of these get set up is actually very interesting. Like. Mm-hmm. There was one where I committed a crime and got pulled in by uh, United Colony Security. And he immediately went, okay, we can either send you to jail or you can infiltrate a pirate group. And you can make decisions about if you want to join this pirate group or not. But remember, we're always watching you and we're going to blackmail the shit out of you. And Mm. also, by the way, uh, they're probably going to murder the hell out of you at some point. So uh, you better be good at uh, persuading people not to kill you. Have fun with that. And like that ends up being like kind of like an interesting little setup if nothing else. Mhm.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's a decent premise, fun sort of like undercover story. Mhm. Yeah.
0: And then there's others that aren't all that great. Like the uni- like the uh United Colonies Vanguard. The plotline that I did uh mm. recently that and and completed that is um let's say it starts out strong. And then it immediately nosedives just into into something very large and very hard. I, I would say the ground, but harder than that. Mm. So the UC Vanguard are basically like basically there's not enough cops or military personnel in the United Colonies, Well, with them all getting blown up over a foreign planet. Right. Uh So because of that, they basically went, well, what if we just had basically like a volunteer group? Like basically a French foreign legion, essentially, where you can get yourself citizenship if you serve for like 10 years in this. Okay. And uh, then, yeah, you'll get citizenship, you can buy houses and stuff, and and you'll also serve the greater good, you know. Mm -hmm. Do your part. So... You go and, like, get recruited, and you have to go through, like, this really dumb propaganda tour. Like, you literally go through a museum mm-hmm. where they explain the entire backstory of the game. <laughs> in a way that's very funny, where they're, like, clearly mandated by the treaty with the Freestar Collective to be like, okay, well, we have to admit fault in certain areas. Mm-hmm. But they're like, then the colony war started because the Freestar Collective tried to colonize a planet against our original treaty that we had with them, by the <laughs> way, we were in the right to start this. <laughs> but then it was very very tragic and you know we had war criminals that we decided to put in jail so we could be, have peace you know mm-hmm. we made the wise decision to sue for peace right as opposed right. to the fact that we were backed into a corner like it's very funny and well done i actually mm-hmm. really like it um uh and like you have to like do a simulator test or, like we're in the spacecraft and eventually they're like all right cool uh you are now going to be part of uh, the vanguard we need you on your first assignment to go to this planet because all of a sudden there's just having some trouble over there and we just want you to investigate real quick. Uh now much like any other Bethesda game where you're given a government job, uh, you don't actually have to do this. You could just do anything else. The UC Vanguard is actually pretty cool if their Legion of Duty as it turns out. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, much much like the Imperial Legion in Skyrim. They're mm-hmm. just like, uh, you know, uh, you want to just go do anything else <laughs> yeah no cool whatever man it's not like we're fighting an act of war and you're a soldier and we desperately need him. Mm-hmm. it'll be fine so let's say though you do stick with this and you go to this planet um this planet when you arrive on there you find it's completely deserted and there's just a bunch of dead people and then you run into a woman by the name of hadrian and hadrian is immediately like okay listen I'm just letting you know there's a there's a terramorph here. Terramorphs are cool as hell. They look like hounds from uh, Morrowind, which uh, if you don't know what those are, they're basically like dogs. If you replace like giant dogs, if you replace their head with tentacles, and they're really really creepy looking. Mm-hmm. They basically just reuse that basic idea for them, <laughs> for terramorphs, except they're even they're done even better. So. Mm. I've, I you can actually encounter terror like in the wild, mm-hmm. and like when I encountered one, it was just basically them like projecting thoughts into my head about how they were going to eat me and life is futile and like putting in fake voices of people screaming for help like behind me and whatnot all the while I wasted all my ammo trying to kill this thing that was nigh unkillable. It was mm. a really strong introduction, honestly, yeah, yep. And this mission is a very strong introduction, too, as you sneak around this like derelict base as you just have a motion sensor trying to turn on tourists as it is trying to actively hunt you down. Mm -hmm. It's like a really dynamic mission that I really enjoyed. I was like, Hmm. strong start. I really like where this is going. Very alien like. Very much so. So you murder this thing. You get a sample of this tissue and you break it back to Hadrian because it turns out she has history studying these creatures. And she finds out that, oh no, its DNA profile matches the Terramorse found on a colony called Londinium. Londinium was a major colony of the United Colonies that just fell during the colony war. And Mm -hmm. it fell because a bunch of Terramorse just got loose and just killed everybody. Mm -hmm. And in order to prevent them from getting off planet, Bay Victus, the leader of the UC Navy, just decided to bomb the spaceport and leave Mm -hmm. everyone to their fate. So this is one of the many reasons why he got to... Well, put on trial and executed. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they found this on this planet and there was no way for them to somehow end up here, they're like, oh, this is incredibly bad. They're finding a way to transport themselves, and we need to figure that out. And like Terramors typically do like show up on habitable planets, but it's usually like after like 70 years. And like humanity has only been on this particular planet for like 20, so it's like super quick that they showed up and this could spell huge trouble and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So, you basically get go to Mars, and you have to meet up with this group called the Red Devils, who are a uh, former UC military that whose unit ended up being um, a decommissioned after the war, because it turns out they worked with xenobiology. They basically made biological weapons. Right. And since that's all banned, there was no need for them, and so they were just thrown to the wayside. So, you team up with a scientist dude. Um, you basically started investigating the Terramorphs and whatnot, and eventually the UC government is like, oh, man, you actually took down a Terramorph? You're so cool. You're clearly the only one who can handle this. We're going to put you in charge of basically the entire thing. And it's Um, like...
2: okay.
0: I I am a new recruit and basically barely joined you a week before, but okay, sure. (laughs) So you know, you're sent co- across the galaxy instead of somebody competent to find out all about this, and eventually they're like, okay, listen, we need you to go, and um, after um, New Atlantis uh, ends up getting attacked by Terramorse just out of the blue, like, they figured, oh man, somebody must be actively releasing the Terramorse. Somebody must actually be behind this. We need you to go down to our sub-basement and uh, speak with somebody who we have under lock and key. That uh, And this is a state secret that cannot get out. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that person is Fay Vickis. Turns out they didn't actually execute him. Right, okay. They just put him in jail. And by jail, I mean, like, a very nice apartment that also mm-hmm. is jail. Mm-hmm. And so, Faye Vickis' his whole thing is that he's a very big ends justify the means sort of person. Right. Um. And his whole thing is like, oh, well, you know, I know the United Colonies put me in jail, but I still feel like I need to serve them, and I don't regret anything I ever did. People say what I did was war crimes, but they're the ones who sent those civilian ships after us as we bombed them to hell. <laughs> you know? Mm. I helped stop the Terror Bores from getting off planet. That's why I bombed the spaceport. You know, if anything, I'm a hero. They should have me out of jail, but whatever. Anyways, he is still under lock and key because he's helping the UC to track down, like, old war criminals and whatnot, and apparently he's very good at doing that. And so... He directs you to find this war criminal that goes by the name of Warlock that you can either capture or blow up. I blew him up because I didn't equip my ship with uh, electromagnetic weapons, so I had a choice of uh, either blowing him up or not. Right. So I chose to blow him up. Fair enough. So he goes and gives you information to help like track down more terror morphs and whatnot. Uh, you speak with Hadrian about this, um, and she actually reveals to you, she's like, hey, listen, I feel like we should not have any secrets between us. I'm actually a clone of Vavicus. He's actually my father. And you're like, wow, that's crazy. Um, and it's like, once again, this gets back to like how your dialogue choices matter. You can actually reveal to her, like, oh, yeah, by the way, your dad's alive? oh it was just funny because like you see is like don't share the secret this secret mm-hmm. is very important there could be grave consequences with you if you share it which is why i promptly shared it with everybody i could <laughs> <laughs> and spoilers there was no consequence yep that sounds right so yeah you can share that with her and like you actually get a choice of like actually lying to her afterwards and be like Haha, it was a joke but no i was like mm. no nah, hard commit and like my companion with me was like um with uh, Samco. And he's mm-hmm. like... The fuck? He's supposed <laughs> to be dead? Man, you, that's a UC for you. Man, they suck. <laughs> and, like, an example of, like, how this information only travels so far. Like, in a later conversation I was having with Hadrian about Vicus, Like, I had Sarah with me instead. And, like, Vaivicus came up being alive. And she's like, wait, well, hold on. You can tell me this? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I know. Crazy, right? So, anyways... They um end up traveling to Londinium to, like, figure out what is going on there. And throughout the game, there's these, like, leeches called Heat Leeches that basically just, like, travel from planet to planet on ships and whatnot. And they're just, like, pests that are annoying. They suck energy out of things. They absolutely suck, mm. uh, literally. Uh, you find a lot of them when you have to rescue this, like, robot who's good at tracking down xenobiology and whatnot. Uh, and seems to mysteriously know where the Terramorphs are, but he doesn't know why. Uh Because he's obviously been reprogrammed by somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, you find these heat leeches on Londinium, and then you see them go underneath this tree called the Lazarus tree, and then they grow into a Terramorph. And then everyone goes, oh my god, that's where the Terramorphs are coming from. No wonder they show up on planets where humans are. They travel with humans, and then their incubation period is like 70 years, and then they grow to full size... Oh, no! But then somebody found out about the connection to the Lazarus Trees, so now they're able to s- use them as a bioweapon. Oh, this is absolutely awful! What are we going to do about it? Who could possibly be doing this? I, I,
1: who? Who? So,
0: so, we find out immediately afterwards, because there is a voice conversation of Veve as he's about the bottom of the Space fort, being like, it grew so quickly. This could be terrible. And then, it, like... His daughter's like, well, that sells it. He's clearly the one who knows it. Mm-hmm. Which is fun, because you like can like try to argue and be like, well, he didn't actually confirm that he's the one doing it. He just happens to have the knowledge of it. And he's, I mean, somebody else could have figured it out, and everyone's like, nah, nah, it's definitely him.
1: <laughs> and it's like, well, you know... It, 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 it could have been someone else, but it's not. Yeah,
3: c- <laughs>
0: It's one of those games where, like, I try to argue. It's like, well, we don't actually have enough information to say it's him. Uh-huh. And then, literally, the very next conversation I have with uh, Vickis is him being like, "Yeah, no, I totally did it."
1: <laughs> it's like, buddy. So it's it's the plot <laughs> hook. Like, what, it, what? they they put a breadcrumb in front of you. Yeah. You know where it goes. There's only one crumb.
0: There's only one crumb, and they're not going to make any sort of attempt to subvert it at all, at all. So, yeah, it's like, alright, well, Vavicus, why did you do this? And he's like, oh, no, my entire plan is I was going to pin it on that dude that you killed, the Warlock, just to say that he found out the reason why this happened. And then using that information, I would be able to become a trusted advisor of the UC Council, and, you know, basically redeem my family name, and maybe not be locked up anymore. And I'm like, okay, but... Why did you release him on the spaceport? It's like, so they would know and take it seriously. Cause I knew that they wouldn't take it seriously unless they were directly threatened. I'm like, all right, well, I, I guess that makes sense. But what makes you think that they're going to just like let you out? What do you, what makes you think that I'm just going to let you out? And he's like, all right, listen, though, mm-hmm. the end's justified to me. It's just like when I bombed that spaceport or killed all the civilians, uh, the multiple times I did that, you know, it's, so few people died, but the greater galaxy is going to be saved because of this. And it's like, but you could have told us this 20 years ago. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, I guess shut up. Tell telling you now. It's like, well...
1: Also, the greater galaxy is going to be saved because he becomes a trusted advisor?
0: Well, yeah, he's going to still, like, hunt it down like war criminals and do other stuff. And he's like, you know, we could have, it could be very lucrative with you if you If you team up with me, and it's like, I no,
1: this one seems like way more self-serving than any of any of the other ends he's tried to justify.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's like, and it's like the most like like I'm very outwardly evil, but I'm going to do my best to. Well, actually, I'm not even going to do my best. No, I'm going to barely try to justify this.
1: Yeah, it's like no, but it's 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 all important because. I matter?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I matter.
0: Absolutely. I'm the one who matters, and everything will be fine. And so I'm like, well, I'll think about it. Smash cut the next scene. Hey, by the way, Vavicus, uh j- tried to kill y'all, and he's the one who knew all about it. Mm-hmm. And the council's like, oh, man, wow. Yeah, we should have probably killed him the first time. Yep. We're we're not going to make that same mistake. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we got a couple of... um choices that we're kind of like stuck on about how to deal with this threat uh, first off should we destroy the lazarus trees we're thinking we're gonna just keep them under lock and key uh they really can't grow anywhere else but you know and it's like i accidentally select i don't know you just do whatever i guess i don't <laughs> care <laughs> all my companions hated that one um, uh, uh,
1: are the lazarus trees like used for something not
0: really. They just grow on this one planet, and apparently they are very difficult to grow anywhere else. But it's like, well, if they're, if they're around, then technically they could be... Somebody could find out and cultivate them and use the heat leeches to make a bioweapon.
1: Okay, so the entire like thing with this was the heat leeches would get into the tree, mm. drink the tree sap or whatever, mm. then get on a spaceship... And go to other planets and then incubate there. Not quite. Okay. How heat
0: leeches work is that heat leeches are basically just baby pteromorphs. and it takes like seventy to a hundred years before it grows into a full size one. Okay,
1: so they would they would come out of the Lazarus trees and get on the ships.
0: No, they would. The, the, what would happen is that the Lazarus trees, if they were to like go underneath one of them and get their spores uh-huh. on
1: them, they just instantly grow into a terramorph. Oh, how did the pteromorphs get to other planets then?
0: Well, no, because like the heat leeches, once again, the typical life cycle of a heat uh-huh. leech is that in seventy years they grow into a full terramorph.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, the Lazarus trees just make it happen really fast. Correct. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's a worry that the Lazarus trees, even though they're difficult to cultivate, right. stick around, then since heat leeches are everywhere, somebody could make terramorphs with them.
1: Wait. Okay. So okay. Understood. This is a question, and this gets into sort of a problem I think a lot of Bethesda games have, have. Mm -hmm. Um, but it feels exacerbated here. Um, Do all heat leeches go through this process? Apparently so, yes. Was this never known? Somehow it wasn't. No one ever studied the life cycle of a heat leech?
0: No, they did not. They just went, these things are around, and then looked around like, oh, there's a pteromorph now. We're not going to put two and two together. Okay. Apparently there was never like an in-between cycle that There, there was never
1: any sort of insectologist who decided wanted to study the life cycle, was curious about the biology, the xenobiology of mm-hmm. it, never documented anything about heat leech maturation
0: not at all it seemed the way they tell it it's like they just would like hang around for 70 years and then just would all of a sudden just like transform to a terramorph and just nobody was around to visualize that
1: okay so the problem a lot of bethesda games have is that uh you're the guy Mm -hmm. you're the one at the center of everything important that's happening anywhere Mm -hmm. um and like Wow, there's this great arcane mystery in Tamriel. Oh, but you discovered the secrets of it. Because mm-hmm. you're the dragonborn or whatever. Mm. Um, Or in the case of, like, Oblivion, you're that guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. But this one feels, like, way worse. It does,
0: because you are... Like, even when you touch the artifact, you're still kind of a literal nobody.
1: Yeah, you're just sort of a dude. And also, like, this is a monster that just mm-hmm. shows up on every colonized world. Mm-hmm. And, like, no one was able to figure out that it's coming out of these leeches that are just riding the ships.
0: Yeah, it, it almost, like, betrays a profound sense of... Uh, of uncuriosity yeah a better term like like nobody in this like universe cares about why things have happened like why right. did the earth lose this magnetosphere why do the Morphs exist like it's just like well we just accept things at face value and just kind of move
1: on right like i, I understand that they want you to be solving a mystery mm-hmm. like a stellar mystery but like this one shouldn't have been a mystery. Yeah. This one should have been a scientific study like two hundred years ago.
0: hmm And like if if they were like even like just headed the stars, like, yeah, heat leeches do eventually become terror morphs and it does suck. hmm Like that kind of solves the problem there and then in many ways. Right. Cause at least you have like an origin to it.
1: Right. But you can still be like, wait, why is it growing so fast or something? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But nope. No, just no way. So that means that people went out into space and at some point realized, wow, there is an alien life form sneaking Mm -hmm. aboard our ships and leeching off of our power. Mm -hmm. And no one went, wow, I really want to study that alien life forms mm-hmm. life cycle
0: an alien life form that can survive in basically all environments even if it's like literally has no air
1: yeah we we just looked at a creature from another world and said that's neat anyway moving on
0: mm-hmm. yep
1: yep yeah it's, it's bad alex
0: it's bad but it's gonna get worse oh you see. good because they're, they're like, okay, well, we have to have a solution for the pterobores, like, you know, something that can, mm-hmm. like, hold their populations and make sure this never happens again, and take care of the heat leeches while we're at it. And you're given uh-huh. two potential solutions. Solution one, release a microbe that is tailored towards the heat leeches that will just destroy all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it's a potential that it could mutate later down the line, but all the scientists are like, it's totally safe. Option number two... And the one I went with, because it's the dumber option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's these giant bird drafts that are called acillies. Acillies are, first off, they're cute little guys. Mm-hmm. Two, they were used as livestock, but then nearly hunted to extinction when the UC needed a food source during the colony war, and they were running low on supplies, so they went, what if we just ate all the acillies? Okay. And, by the way, the, um, there's been, uh, there's a, apparently a, a thing where there's, like, no heat leeches on the same planet that Asselis are on, and nobody put that together?
1: <laughs> Wait, what?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no Terramorphs or uh, heat leeches on the same planet that Asselis were on. And Asselis apparently are just as adaptive as heat leeches.
1: Did, did no one, like, watch the Asselis and see them eat? the heat lease?
0: Apparently not. Nobody put, put that two and two together, because apparently it's like a, a really big discovery when he went, oh man, man. Yeah, it turns out the sea these heat leashes too, man. And in fact, they go even crazier on them.
1: They're, they're livestock.
0: Yeah, they're livestock.
1: These are, these are domesticated creatures. You're watching them. You are raising them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like amazing. It's, it's like if the world had like a real issue just tigers showing up. You just go outside and just, like, just a fucking tiger now, right? And it turns like, out that Oh, the tigers, man, where did that come from? Yeah, it would come from. Well, it turns out it comes from field mice. You know, field mice just after 70 years just growing into fucking tigers, right? And then somebody was like, I don't know what the solution could be possibly. But then they found out that in Iowa, there's just no tigers at all. And they go, like, why is that? And then one day somebody just observes a cow just fucking up a tiger. And they go, oh, okay. <laughs> we get our solution. We need to have cows everywhere. <laughs> also, cows can survive in space. That's exactly sure. what it's like. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> so, their solution is to literally oblivion tree lizard to this, like from The Simpsons, mm-hmm. of being like, all right, we're going to breed a bunch of the sealies and put them on every planet and then people are like, well, what happens if like the, the sealies get out of control? And it's like, well, they're usually docile. Well, I don't know. We'll figure it out. <sighs> so I was like, yeah, the weird bird giraffe. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with that okay. plant.
3: <laughs> sure.
0: Every conversation I had with my companions after that was like, why did you go with the bird? The bird <laughs> option? <laughs> why did you go with the bird giraffe? Why did you go with the microbe? It's like, well, it could mutate. It's like, you don't trust science? You don't trust the scientist? <laughs> and I'm like, would you trust the UC with the biological weapons?
1: No, <laughs> probably not.
0: And then they counter with, it's not a biological weapon, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, well... I'm getting a lot of Sam, Co, Barrett, Andrea, and Sarah dislike this <laughs> from this entire conversation. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. But, like, the funny thing is, like, you suggest these, they, the council, like, ask you for it. Like the the council is like, five people, like, a military leader, a political leader, a police leader, mm. um, a science leader, and all, like, what do you think we should do? And it's like, what if you go with the bird draft option? Or, like... <laughs> You know, we haven't thought of that. <laughs> and it's like, why the fuck are you
1: trusting me? I'm a miner. Yeah. <laughs> so this is another prop part where, like, the Bethesda... I don't even know how to describe this. Like, the Bethesda practical world building starts mm-hmm. to break down. Because they can write all the lore they want. But at a certain point, they need to, like, program and actually build out this scene of the council Mm -hmm. and that's where the engine goes. I can give you five dudes in a room.
0: Yep. Five dudes in an incredibly plain looking room that um, are just going to exceed to whatever demands you're going to make anyways.
1: Yeah. So like, yeah, I guess that's the council and like, it's, it's the same place that elder scrolls always starts to break down whenever they try to do something grand or impressive or like, Ancient or historic of uh-huh. like oh yeah, it's, it's, it's like twelve dudes fighting twelve dudes. This is the climactic battle in the battle for independence of Skyrim. <laughs> Ulfric Storm Stormcloak's here.
0: Yeah, he uh, look at that. It is
1: his top general. Yeah. All their all their armies are fighting off, off screen. He's he's driving out the Imperials right now as we speak. Go help him. Mm-hmm. It's like welcome to like you know the grand uh, throne room Mm. of Cyrodiil, and you're like, here's some dudes. (laughs) They're they're important. They're in charge.
0: Here's this major execution of this traitor in the capital city of all Skyrim, Mm -hmm. and it
1: is attended by five people. Yep. And the execution happens, and then they uh, scriptedly walk away and go, wow, mm-hmm. I can't believe that happened. Mm-hmm. And then they go back to their regularly scheduled walk around the city.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah, once again, um, Starfield actually does have, like, surprisingly impressive crowd sizes. But yeah, when you actually get into, like, rooms like this, yeah, it's like plain room, mm-hmm. five people. And right. Yeah, yeah it's... I-
1: And you're like, okay, this is the Council of the United Colonies. Anyway, guy, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: what should we do about this incredible threat to the citizens of our domain? (laughs) I don't know, what if you bred a whole bunch of bird giraffes?
0: (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant idea, boss. (laughs) Here's your penthouse that we're going to give you now. Yeah. Yeah, and I have zero... I have zero faith that all the other faction side quests are not mm-hmm. going to end in the exact same way. Yep. Like, when I do finally take down the Crimson Pirates, I guarantee you that it's going to end with them being like, Well, I guess you're now in charge. If you see security, don't worry. We'll run the day to day, boss. You can just go and continue exploring the universe. Just come back every once in a while and we'll give you a radiant quest about there's some pirates over here to
1: yep. shoot. Yeah. 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 No, that's exactly. Hey, do you want to do some occasional pirate hunts to prove that you're in charge of the UC military.
0: Mm. -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's here. You can do them if you want, or you don't, you don't have to, I guess boss it's you're in charge.
1: Like I I know you called this fallout five, but it really is designed like an elder scrolls. Yeah. Where it's like, it is an open world where you get to do anything you want, but also be the most important person in the world. Mm. hmm But they don't, and this is kind of key to Bethesda's design philosophy, is they don't want anything to compromise your freedom.
0: Yeah, no, they don't.
1: And so nothing ends up feeling like it has gravity, because anything with gravity could force you into something. Mm -hmm. And so everything has to be incidental, no matter how significant it is.
0: Yeah, you cannot be locked into a path, which is why, despite the fact that I'm part of, like, two different branches of the UC government, I could still become a Freestar Sheriff if I wanted to. Sure. Which, that, they, I don't know why they would allow me to do that, but okay, I guess. Yeah, like, at least was like Morrowind, like, when he would do that, like, other factions would be like, hey, listen, you, you, you gotta make a choice. Right. Hell, even at least Fallout 4 eventually did that. Hmm. Of like, no, you can't work for the Institute, aka the people enslaving androids, and then work for the Railroad, people who are trying to
1: free androids.
0: You can't have it both ways.
1: Right. And but, like, maybe Starfield has that like, okay, these two things are in direct opposition, you need to choose one or the other.
0: Mm-hmm. But, but they're not gonna do that with like, the Vanguard and the Sheriffs, I don't right. know where
1: they're going to do it. Yeah, I don't know. And like, it it feels like it it is still a weird thing of, like, you can still start both paths and then choose. Yeah. Whereas, like, once you start one, why would the other side even consider you?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they, they should absolutely not. They should absolutely not. But once again, the... Of The idea of having freedom and the ability to do whatever you want comes first, as opposed to storytelling and writing, which, I mean, is not inherently an invalid choice, but it is a choice they make and the writing is worse because of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I we've already spent about two hours talking about Starfield, and mm-hmm. honestly, there are more and varied dumb things I could talk about, such as Kotaku's pick for the best mission in the game, one that you cannot miss. The one that is you no know, fuck. It, we're gonna talk about it real quickly because yeah, let's do that. I am so pissed at Kotaku. Um, okay, that's maybe that's that's strong feelings to have about a dead website. Uh, <laughs> basically, there there's a mission where basically a bunch of colonists from Earth basically traveled incredibly slowly in a generational ship and ended up above a paradise planet that okay. of course has been par- colonized by somebody else now, and they're mm. trying to like land there and like set up shop, but. The people down there aren't allowing them and it's been described as a star trek style mission where you can choose their fate and figure out what what uh what path they're gonna go down mm-hmm. and it's like the answer is yeah you can but it's more like you go down to discuss like what to do with these colonists with like the corporation that runs this planet and they go like well we can enslave them or you can give them a grav drive and they can move on and that's it you just go and do that oh that's and they go like, "Well, I guess we'll find another planet, or I guess we'll be indentured servants." And they're cool with either decision, and that is literally it.
1: That's that's really bad.
0: It's bad because yeah, like there's like an interesting premise with that of mm-hmm. like yeah, this generational ship and the difficulty face. space, and there's like a lot of interesting like conversations you can have with people on there, right? Who are like, yeah, no, I was born to basically be a school teacher, and that's what I have to do. Uh, I was bored to be an engineer and that's what I have to do because this is how this generational ship works. And like right. how some people struggle against that. How some people actually find that very comforting and are scared to leave the ship. Those mm-hmm. conversations are interesting. But then the actual like storyline that's around it that decides all their fate is just literally just like a technically not a binary because there's a third choice in there of blow them up. Which don't don't take that.
1: <laughs> uh, That's freedom, though. You need to have the freedom to just wantonly murder people.
0: Yeah, and they'll give it to you. And not surprisingly, all your companions are like, hey, we we got problems now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like that is just it just comes down to a choice where you just go to one place, go back to another, go back to the go back to the colony ship. to be like, this is what he wanted to do. And then they go, "Okay, then I guess our fate is sealed. And then they just hang out in space forever. That's it.
1: That the design of that quest is like there is not one single point where anyone goes. But hey, what if third option? Yeah, like it's literally just hands you two choices, Mm -hmm. and those are the only choices in the quest.
0: Yeah, yeah. Besides sabotaging the ship and blowing it up, that like that sucks. It does. Yeah, like they're like they start out Gunko being like, hey, listen, we. We want to colonize this planet, and we we should have gotten here first. You know, if they can maybe just leave. And it's like, well, I don't think we're going to convince this corporation to do that. But it would right. be funny if I had the option of trying to murder them. Or yeah. do something with that. But instead, they're just like, nah, fuck off. Tell, tell your weird space idiots to leave. How about that? And like it's like, well, all right, I guess.
1: No one suggests, no one has a suggestion of like, what what if we try to sneak our way down to an unoccupied part of the planet or no one's like what about this loophole in this colonization law that allows freestanding citizens to like nothing? Yeah, nothing. Well, there there's no there's nothing from left field.
0: Well yeah, it would have been really cool if you could make use of that actually kind of robust like outpost uh, uh building option that you have. We can build an outpost on literally any planet, including that one, and just oh. build them an outpost that maybe you had to come back every once in a while to help them to defend. That would yeah. actually be pretty cool. Oh, well, I guess we're not going to do that.
1: No, literally, here are your two choices.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, funny about a game that gives you a ton of freedom, and then when you finally get an interesting choice, uh, they don't let you make that choice at all. And that's Starfield. <laughs> yeah. Once again, maybe if the actual main plot ends up being interesting, we'll revisit this. Uh, I, once again, I'm going to guess it ain't going to be man. It's
1: it's not looking good.
0: It's not looking good. Uh, I
1: I can't wait to play more of it. Alex, how are you feeling? I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I said this when we talked about fallout, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Bethesda games just don't have the same lore that they used to.
0: They don't, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, One of my uh, favorite games journalists, uh, Jeff Gersman, formerly of uh, GameSpot and uh, Mm -hmm. GiantBomb.com, when he was reviewing Fallout 4 and arguing with his coworkers about it, they talked about how it was like, well, nobody makes games like Bethesda. And he's like, well, yeah, but they keep making the same game over and over. Right. And, like, eventually they have to do something different. Mm -hmm. And I totally get that. And seeing people's responses to Starfield and my own feelings towards it as well. Like, even though I'm enjoying it and it is like it is scratching an itch in my back of my mind. I'm like, yeah, no, I've kind of seen all this before.
1: Right. And like, again, this goes back to Bethesda has things that they focus their development on. Mm-hmm. And those things that they're focusing on, they are managing to do and managing to improve on. Like they are making the world bigger mm-hmm. and they are, you know, they, they are giving you some new systems and shipbuilding. Um, you know, but it feels like those things that they're focusing on are not substantially improving their games in ways that matter.
0: No, it's, it is basically what they did with Fallout 4, where they just put on a bunch more systems. Yeah. And since they didn't want that to impact the, uh, overall gameplay loop, they went, well, you could engage with this if you want to, but you don't have to.
1: Right. They're they not designing new systems that mm-hmm. work with the core system. Yeah. And they're not changing the core system it, to accommodate the new systems at all. Mm-hmm. So they're adding a lot of – they're adding some cool things, but they're not creating a space for those things to actually shine.
0: Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's disappointing. There's yeah. No other word to say. It's just disappointing.
1: And again, like the scale that they seem to love so much and that Todd Howard is constantly going on about is impressive, mm-hmm. but it is not serving anything at this point other than scale for scale's sake.
3: hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They uh, they maybe should actually scale
1: down like May- maybe because I think the real problem is that none of the rest of it can keep up with the scale. Yeah, no. None of the rest of it feels as big as the map.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they either need to fundamentally, like, look over their gameplay loop and just make radical changes to that, or, yeah, scale down and just focus on one thing. And uh, I d- I don't think they're going to do that, Alex, because no. I fairly certain Starfield's going to sell, like, gangbusters. And, I mean, Fallout 4 did not have a good, in- good critical reception out of the gates, and, well, they clearly... Well, they doubled down on Fallout 76 yeah. and, and then this. So, like, why Why will they change? They won't change. So I can't wait to have this discussion again in six years when Elder Scrolls six comes out, and it's like, boy, can't believe the romance system is terrible.
1: Yep, turns out. Mm. Which, I mean, to be fair, that's most RPGs. Yeah, that's... No matter what studio.
0: Yeah, when, like, Bioware is was for a long time the shining beacon of how to do it properly. Mm-hmm. That's usually a good indication of the dire state of things,
1: if right. anything else. Uh, yeah, like, I, I could sit here and talk about how interesting and cool Baldur's Gate 3 is, but I'm not going to pretend the romance system is anything more than good enough.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us today. Alex, thank you for joining with me on this as always. Of course. And for those of you out there who want to listen to more Fallen Through plot holes, go to ftp.podme.com or search for Fallen Through plot holes" on your podcast service of choice. Leave us a like, a review, reviews of our podcast and you know, feel free to leave comments. Tell us what sci-fi series you would want Bethesda to just make a game based off of that they just decide to Make as bland as possible. You don't want it. You don't want that. Maybe you want to make a game that's a send up to Farscape. That is <sighs> essentially a big old nothing other than they saw that it had a blue lady in it.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. I, I'm i sorry to hold up the end of this podcast. <laughs> what studio would you want to make a Far Cry or Farscape game? Oh,
0: man. What studio would I want to make a Farscape game? <laughs> Could anyone get that right? nobody could, um, which which means it has to be Ubisoft now. Yeah. Oh man. Watch dogs, oh. but it's Farscape.
1: Oh far sca- god, that'd suck. Oh, that'd be the worst. Ubisoft Farscape <laughs> game would be the absolute worst thing <laughs> ever. <would> <laughs> oh god.
0: It's alright. They have a space game that they could just um they could just reskin
1: into that. Yeah, that one that's never coming out?
0: Yeah. <laughs> That, yeah, Beyond Good and Evil 2 that they've already reskinned it into something else the Star, that Star Wars game that now they can just reskin oh, into yeah. the Oh Oh yeah, game? that
1: did happen didn't it? Yeah, that, yeah. boy, that that oh boy, I can't wait for that game to never come out.
0: Oh, that's gonna be great No, no, it's oh. gonna be it's like Star Wars 1314 or whatever yeah, it
1: was. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be exactly like that except nothing like that just like how Beyond Good and Evil 2 is gonna be nothing like Beyond Good and Evil or Beyond Good and Evil 2 <laughs> yep
0: Yep <laughs> But yeah, that's who I go with, Alex. Who'd you go with?
1: Uh, you know what? Similar but completely different tact. I would go with don't nod. <laughs> oh, I, I want to watch that that ridiculous what Montreal question mark studio? Mm-hmm. Right, just write Farscape dialogue. I want to see that. Oh
0: yeah, no, that would be oh Thrilling that would mess. be good. <laughs> Basically, we want French people to write yeah, our, our sci fi yeah, stories. Yeah.
1: Hey, Fr- French people, make that sci fi. Do it. You're so good at it.
0: You're so good at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm into that. I'm into that. <laughs> but yeah, with that, I'm just going to be awkward, but whatever, man. T- t- take Straight. care,
1: everybody. Take care.